welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. Bless you. Please take your seat. God bless you. Great to be here. How are we doing? Wow, look at everybody's here. Oh, it's amazing. This is good. We should do this every Sunday night. It's great. Um, you probably... Yeah, it's... Um... Yeah, it was. Sometimes you've got to not preach, but you've got to listen. And, um, you know, there's some great things happening and in the life of Thrive and, um, and uh, in this region, I was sharing with the folk this morning that I'm absolutely convinced God intends to see built in this region a powerful, significant, relevant church that shakes the region. Amen. Come on, somebody. And, uh, you know, just, just uh, that's, that's what he's about. We are not called to build the church. We're called to make disciples. He said he will build the church. So as we invest in people, the church gets built. So tonight I'd like you to turn with me in your Bible uh, to uh, to Nehemiah. I want to speak from Nehemiah tonight from one verse in chapter 2 and verse 18. And it's speaking about Nehemiah just arriving in the city of Jerusalem, just to give you a bit of a setting in case you're unaware of the, the, of the account of Nehemiah. It's talking about the fact that the city of Jerusalem has been, uh, the walls of Jerusalem, the city has been destroyed and the walls are broken down and God sends Nehemiah to, uh, to rebuild the walls. And I'm not getting into a lot of the story tonight, but when you come to verse uh, chapter 2, he's uh, just arrived in Jerusalem and he's uh, telling the people why he has come. And it says in verse 18, it says, I told them of the hand of my God, which they'd been good upon me, and also of the king's word uh, that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. And then they set their hands To this good work. I like it the way the Message Bible says, I told them how God was supporting me and how the king was backing them up. And they said, We are with you, let's start. And they rolled up their sleeves, ready for the good work. I love that thought, you know, let us rise up and build. And tonight I want to share some thoughts with you around the theme of arise and build. Arise and build. What a wonderful testimony of the people of that day that in the midst of devastation and destruction that um, they would rise up immediately the man of God comes and begins to share the vision and share something of, of what God has done in preparation in his own life and in preparation to bring him to this point and their immediate response is to roll up their sleeves and say, let's get on with this. I love that. Come on, somebody. Amen. And uh, it's just a great thing. And you notice that Nehemiah shares something of his testimony. He talks about 
the hand of God that was upon him. If you know the background of the story, God spoke to Nehemiah and, uh, and you know, encountered him in his day-to-day life. And then he goes on to talk about how the king was backing him up because he was a cupbearer to the king. And, and so he gets him before the king and the king actually finances the trip and sends a whole lot of people with him and all this sort of thing. And, you know, we can look back over the history of the church today. And those of you here from Gateway, you can look back over the history of Gateway and your testimony would be the same. The hand of God has been upon you. There's evidence. Come on, somebody. There's evidence. Don't go quiet on me tonight. Amen. Help the preacher. So if I say something you like, I want you to shout out amen or hallelujah or whatever. If I say something that really pushes your button, I want you, I want you to shout out, preach it, brother. And if I begin to waffle a bit, I want you to shout out, help him, Jesus. Is that all right? Okay. And we'll go somewhere together tonight. But you see, the thing is that you have come this far by his grace. Amen. And God wants to kind of take you on. And that should encourage us to renewed faith and renewed effort and kind of enlargement of catching hold of the significance of what um, God is doing. It says in Hebrews 3 and verse 4 that every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. Message says every house has a builder, but the builder behind them all is God. In this passage, the writer is actually discussing uh, the difference between the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of Moses. And he talks about the fact that the builder is more important than the building. And then he makes a statement, every house is built by someone. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? If you look around here, you know, that's the problem with the theory of evolution, isn't it? Nothing just happens. You know, somebody does something. And already, if you look around, you know, this place, there's been, what is it, 30-odd years of sacrifice and service and investment and effort and time. If you go down the road, I've never been onto Gateway's property. I've driven past it a few times, and I look in there, and I see the school and the buildings, and I'm not sure what's in there, but I know it didn't just happen. You didn't just drive to, oh, look, somebody put that there overnight. It just kind of, I mean, people rolled up their sleeves as years of sacrifice and service and prayer and and it wasn't always like that. You know, it was probably one building and two buildings and people continued over year after year of sowing in and praying and believing God and working. They built the house and Moses built a house. We generally refer to it as the tabernacle of Moses and God gave Moses a vision. He gave him the plans for the house and uh, he, he was to build, and Moses built that house according to the plans. Or did he? Actually, to build that house in the wilderness took a lot of work from a lot of people. In fact, all the people were involved. They all had to contribute their silver and gold. They all had to contribute their time and effort. Some had special God-given skills and abilities, 
uh, with which they were enabled to build a very beautiful and ornate house, special skills. And Moses' responsibility was to ensure that the house was built and that it was built according to the plan that God had given him. And he had to inspire and organize and motivate the people. He had to direct the work and correct the work. But at the end of the day, they all had to work together or that house would never have been built. And friends, nothing has changed. For the house, the house of God, to go to another level, it's going to take a team of builders. And Psalm 127 says that unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain that build it. And, you know, like Hebrews 3, the verse we read, it reminds us that the ultimate builder behind anything of any value is the Lord. And it would be extremely foolish and a waste of time to build something that God had not initiated. And so we've got to be committed to being led by Him. He must initiate it. He must direct it. He must guide us in the way. And the psalmist reminds us, you know, it's a foolish thing. And it brings me to this point that God is the builder, but we supply the labor. That's the way it works. God initiates the process. He comes up with the plans. Then he looks for people who will supply the labor so the house can be built. And the Apostle Paul, you know, he speaks about us being laborers together in the purposes of God. And he looks for people. God is looking for people that will supply labor so that the house can be built. And those of you of this house and those of you of Gateway, as you've journeyed over the years, you have, you have heard of the vision. I'm sure there are unfulfilled prophecies. I'm sure there are dreams and concepts that have been dropped in the heart of people. How many know we haven't arrived yet? This is not the destination, friend. This is just part of the journey. We are on a journey. And, uh, and so we've heard the prophetic dream. And, and, you know, there's a timing of God. But a lot of the time, the vision awaits uh, for people who will rise up and labor hard to see the vision, the vision fulfilled, to see it become a reality. And uh, as I said a moment ago, many have already put in huge effort, but God has more. And, uh, and he's in intending that the house uh, would increase in influence and affluence and impact the community. And uh, there's a couple of things about building the house. Firstly, 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans 12, it talks about, the, it likens the congregation of a church to the different members of a human body, your physical body. And your physical body is only in health and strength to the degree that each organ and gland and muscle and joint supplies and functions in perfect order. And some parts of our body that are tiny, uh, totally unseen, are actually critical to our health and our function. You know, you've got a thing called a pituitary gland that is a small gland that sits between the two frontal lobes of your brain. It's just in here somewhere. It's a little tiny thing, but it actually, it actually controls all of your hormones all throughout your body. And if that thing messes up, I've got to tell you, you're in serious trouble. Amen. You can't see it. You never talk to it. You never touch it. 
You don't know much about it, but I tell you, if it's not functioning, your body is not going to function properly. And so you may consider yourself somewhat insignificant. You may feel you've got limited potential. You might be as old as me and feel like you haven't got much ability or education or skill or, or whatever it may be. And in fact, that could be true to some degree, but you still have a unique part to play. And in fact, you've got a special role to fill, and which if you do not fulfill it, the house of God can never be built in the way that God intends. There will be a missing ingredient. Even though you might consider yourself to be a little toe or whatever it is, I tell you what, you are important. Turn to somebody say he's talking to you. I don't care how young you are, how old you are, you are a critical component. Secondly, the second thing is this, that to build a house we need sons, not servants. Servants do what they're paid to do. In other words, servants are only motivated by what they can get out of it. Now, it may be recognition, it may be position, it may be trying to prove something to God and get in his good books or whatever it is, but servants are motivated for what they get out of it. And um, they have no future inheritance in the house. They don't own any part of the house in its future. But sons own the whole thing. It is their future, it is their inheritance, and ownership means taking personal responsibility. How many of you own something, you look after it, if you're smart? If you've got a car, you look after it. It may not be the latest model car. It may not be the flashiest car on the block. But how many know if you're smart, you're going to service it. You're going to keep it moderately clean occasionally from time to time. I mean, you're going to look after it because it's yours. See? And, and the success of the house and the ministries and the expression of all of that is not just the responsibility of, in the case of Thrive, of Pastor Glenn and Pastor Deb and the elders and leaders. You own the thing. Come on, somebody. You own it. If this is your house, you've got to take responsibility. Stop thinking like a servant or a volunteer and start thinking like sons and daughters. This is your future. This is your inheritance. This is what you're building for your children, your grandchildren. Future generations take personal ownership, take personal responsibility. Amen. I think I could have got a better amen than that right there. I'm sure most of us have heard of the 80-20 rule. It's a rule of thumb that says 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. Which means 80% of the people are not doing very much. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes uh, that can maybe a bit of an overstatement, but I think the principle is true. That very often in any kind of organization, and the church is no different, where there ends up being a smaller number of people carrying way beyond what they should be carrying because others don't engage. And so you've got to break out of that imbalance to build a great house and fulfill the call of God. You've got to break out of that. And perhaps we could say tonight that people are either builders or they are bludgers.
I mean, I'm sure there are no bludgers here, but some places I go, you know, you, you kind of. So are you a builder or are you a bludger? I, I want to talk. Is it okay if I talk to you like that? It's all right. It's my last meeting. I go tomorrow. See, I, I want to talk to you about some principles of building. The first principle of building is builders see the vision and they stick to the plan. A few years ago, Daryl and I were building a new home and it was important to us to get hold of a builder who understood what we were trying to achieve and, uh, and would work with us in that. We wanted to know he understood our objectives and would stick to the plan. You know, I didn't want a builder that when he starts building, he decides... I don't like that window there. I think I'll put it here. I actually think your toilet should be in the kitchen. I don't, and I don't like that door. Actually, I think this should be open plan, so we're going to knock some walls out. How many know you're not going to be happy with a builder like that? You, you want a builder that can see the vision and can stick to the plan. Moses saw the finished tabernacle in a vision on the mountain. He knew what it looked like. He knew what it was going to be when it was finished. And several times God said to him, in fact, a number of times, he said to Moses, you make sure you build it according to the plan that was shown you on the mountain. Now, here's the deal. As an individual, you must see the vision for yourself. You must receive the vision and allow it to penetrate your heart. You must visualize what it will look like when it's finished. You have to see the big picture and get excited about it. Now, we may not be able to tell you in exact detail of what this place is going to look like 10 years from now, but I can tell you, it, the intent, I prophesy to you now that God's intention is that there be a house in this region that has a congregation of numbered in thousands thousands. Now, you may not be able to, to kind of work out all the details of that, but if you can get that in your heart and be like the people of Nehemiah's day and roll up your sleeves and say, we are with you. Come on, guys, let's build this thing. So you have to commit to the process and, and find a part to play, a role to fill, contribute your skills and abilities. You've got to come to the pastors and leaders and say, what would you like me to do? Where do you think I could fit? What could I do to help right now? And then for goodness sake, do it. Are you a builder or a bludger? Oh, it gets quiet sometimes, doesn't it? See, builders see the vision and they stick to the plan. But on the other hand, bludgers do their own thing. If and when they feel like it, they generally don't see the vision and they don't take time to put in the effort to understand the vision or the direction of the house. They come along for the ride until they get bored and go looking for something new. Bludgers don't care about the vision and they won't stick to the plan because they're not committed to the process. Bludgers are not builders, and builders can't be bludgers. So what are you, a builder or a bludger? I want to, hello? Oh, that was pathetic. I mean, are you a builder or a bludger? Come on. Well, that's hopeful. That's hopeful. The second thing I notice about builders is that builders dig the foundations as well as build the structure. Have you ever noticed that a builder doesn't start by building the roof? They don't start by hanging up the front door. 
They have to start where it's hard and dirty. The bigger the building, the deeper the foundations. And digging foundations can be unseen and unrewarded. But it's all about seeing the vision and sticking to the plan. If you try and shortcut the foundations, the building will be weakened. It will collapse under the strain of high winds and rain and floods and storms, and they will come. Listen, friend, you need to learn how to dig significant foundations in your own life and keep digging those foundations. Keep doing the hard stuff so that you will not be swayed when the wind blows and the rain comes and the floods and storms come. And as a house, we have to build foundations that will sustain sustain the significance of what God wants to do. Do I hear an amen? And I've come to understand that building the house of God, we are continually uh, involved in digging foundations. The foundations of our own lives, the foundations in the lives of new Christians, the foundations of new ministry expressions, the foundations of new missions endeavors. There's always foundations somewhere that need our attention. And I actually think in God's wisdom, He keeps us digging foundations because there's something in most of us that desires to hang the front doors, to be working where there's some recognition. I don't know. I think for a lot of us, we'd like to be, you know, putting on the finishing lick of paint and so reveal to the watching world our incredible creativity. Oh. But you know, there's always a building site to keep clean. Picking up the remains of some subcontractor's lunch. Moving some piece of timber or steel that's dangerously sticking up. Builders understand that building sites can be dangerous places. And there's wise to put in effort to keep it clean. to, To do the mundane, unrecognized tasks that only make the site safer, but also contribute to productivity. And can I encourage you today as a congregation of builders that you commit to continually working on the foundations. That as an individual, you never get beyond picking up a piece of paper or straightening a mat or doing some unseen, unrecognized job that needs doing. Builders dig the foundations as well as build the structure. But on the other hand, bludgers do what's easy and what gets noticed. Bludgers avoid the hard, dirty work of digging foundations, and that's why their own life is shallow and weak. Bludgers are always looking for an easy way out. Bludgers are the people on the building site that walk around all day hanging onto the plans in their hands. They take hour-long toilet breaks. They're the first for morning tea or lunch. They talk the loudest, moan the longest, and contribute the least. So are you a bludger or are you a builder? We could be getting there. The third thing I notice is that builders add to the structure every day. If you look at a building site, every day there are truckloads of new material coming in. There's bricks and timber and fittings and frames, all sorts of things that are going to be added into the building. Builders are always adding in new things. And they bring things that assist the building. They build those things into the house. And to build the house of God requires a whole lot of people bringing things to the house. When you came to the service, what did you bring? I mean, did you bring your faith and expectancy? I mean, did you bring their money? Went a bit quiet there. 
Need to work on that one, mate. Did we bring our appreciation and worship? Did we bring our engagement, our participation, our expectation? Did we bring prayer and conscious support? See, see, what did we bring? Did we bring people and friends and family and neighbours? Come on, somebody. We want to build a house. We've got to bring some stuff. Bring it. You can't build anything bigger unless you bring some new material. And builders add to the structure every day. But on the other hand, Bludgers take more than they bring. They take us, not give us. They draw from other people's faith and anointing rather than pay the price for their own. Bludgers come to get. They want to drink at your fountain rather than dig their own well. Bludgers are part of the problem, not part of the answer. So are you a builder or a bludger? It's not getting much better, guys. (laughs) Is this all right? Too bad, I got the microphone, so you're stuck with it. (laughs) The fourth thing is builders are team players. You know, builders know they can't do it on their own. They need different skills and different trade skills, and they need people that know things they don't know and can do things they can't do. So they learn to appreciate others and see the best in them and work to maintain relationships. And we need each other. You even need me. That's a shock, isn't it? (laughs) Building the house is a team effort. And you know what I've discovered in the team? There always seems to be sister sandpaper and brother whatever. We know people rub you up the wrong way. Come on, I'm not here, eh? You're all so holy and righteous. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, not much. I mean, isn't it true? That when you're with a bunch of people of different generations and different cultural backgrounds and different mindsets and different experiences, there's always people around you that are different. And so you have a wonderful opportunity to learn how to be humble and forgiving and forbearing and not receive the offence, but learn to respect others and think the best of them and speak the best of them. You know, it's not what people say or do to you that matters. It's how you react to them. Nobody can offend you unless you allow them to. Don't react towards people. Learn to respond towards God. Builders have to be people that are committed to work with other people. Consciously determined to see the best in them who look at other people with appreciation and respect, who are determined not to gossip and speak negatively about other people. The vision demands it. There's a cause. In Nehemiah, later on, he says, I'm, I'm doing a great job. Why should I stop the work and come down to talk to you? In other words, he wouldn't let other people distract him for the purpose. Listen, we need to have that same spirit. We are doing a great job. Come on. We are doing a great. Why should we let you mess with us? Why should I let you get inside my head and own territory? You know, come on. Some of us sell out half of our brain to other people. Not here, of course, but some places. Isn't it true? If you take offense, how many know you got this video playing in your head all the time? You give them ownership. You give them power. Why would you do that? You're involved in building something great for God. Let's just do that and to hell with the devil and, you know, 
<laughs> but on the other hand, of course, bludgers, well, bludgers see all the faults in other people and use it as an excuse to avoid personal responsibility for the vision. They drop back, they drop out, pointing the finger at someone else. They sit in their self-pity and offensive and stop growing, stop changing, stop com- contributing. So you're a builder or a bludger. Finally, go finally. Finally, builders are workers regardless of the conditions. Builders go to work when it's freezing cold and when it's stinking hot. They go to work in blazing sun. They go to work in driving rain. They turn up and apply themselves with mental and physical energy regardless of the conditions because the house has to be built by someone. Builders are workers. Builders carry a Nike anointing. Just do it. Just do it. Builders don't make excuses or look for, look for ways to avoid the work. They know it takes effort and it takes time for the job to get done. And God may be the builder, but he relies upon our labor. And, you know, Paul in writing to the Corinthians in chapter fifteen fifty eight, he says, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and steady, always enthusiastic about the Lord's work. Why? For you know that nothing you do For the Lord is ever useless. Why would you invest your life into anything else? Your labor with and for the Lord and with your brothers and sisters together is never in vain. So keep at it. Renew your focus. Lift up your arms that hang down and strengthen your weary legs and draw a fresh dose of the grace of God. Encourage one another and let's get on with it and build a great house for God. Arise and build. Builders live by convictions based on the word and promises of God. They live according to the word. They are moved by the revealed will and purposes of God and they're challenged by incomplete dreams and unfulfilled visions. Do those things stir you? They provoke me. I hate people that go around. No, I don't hate them. I love them, but they disturb me. (laughs) People that go around with unfulfilled dreams all of their life. I go, why would you do that? Why do you think God gave you a prophetic promise? Why did he speak to you? Because he intends for it to be fulfilled. And it's not going to be fulfilled while we're sitting in the corner sucking our thumb, feeling sorry for ourselves or or whatever it is. You've got to stand up and become strong. You know, the Bible says be courageous. It doesn't say pray for courage. It's just a decision you make. He says be strong and courageous to Joshua. He didn't say, Joshua, pray, get the pastor to pray for you, kind of do all that. That's all good, but you got to do it. you got to make up your mind. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to be a builder. I'm going to turn up and do it. But of course, on the other hand, we should talk about the bludgers, shouldn't we? Because bludgers are emotional givers. They give their money, time and effort when it suits them, when they feel like it, when they have an, an up day, when things are going good, when they feel blessed. Because you see, bludgers live by preferences, they don't live by conviction. And if they prefer something at a point in time, what is convenient to them? 
But builders work regardless of the conditions. God is in the construction business. He's a builder. And he begins by renovating our lives. He rips some old stuff out and puts some new stuff in. And you've got to cooperate with that purpose, that process that goes on in our lives. I've discovered God is always renovating something in my life. And maybe that's because I'm more of a mess than you are. But somehow I doubt it. I kind of think we're all made of the same stuff. Come on, you've had a journey. You've got a story to tell. And so he, he comes and he's always updating and renovating and renewing and reviving and strengthening. But then he wants us not to just be caught up with ourselves in our own journey and what he's building into our life. He gives us the awesome opportunity to partner with other people in his purposes and do something awesome. And I just, I really feel like God's looking for builders. So are you a builder or are you a bludger? All right. Yeah, he invites us to join in his building business as laborers and co-laborers together. To catch the vision, believe him, roll up our sleeves, regardless of who we are and what age we are and what color we are. You know, some of us like Billy Gates. Well, I would, but, 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 but. We're always butting something. You just got to get over it and get over yourself. I said to somebody this morning, one of my favorite sayings is, suck it up, cupcake. I mean, you do. That's what life's like, isn't it? You just got to suck it up and make up your mind. You're going to keep moving. And I just, I am so sort of impacted with the sense of the, the destiny on the house and the purposes of God and the largeness of what he's doing. And I just want to encourage you tonight, you know, develop the traits of a builder. If you haven't got them, just, just kind of do some work. Get before God. And just go, God, I really... I want my life to count. I want to build something awesome. I don't know about you. I do not want to get into heaven by the skin of my teeth. I don't want to arrive there and Jesus go, oh, it's you. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to arrive there and him go, well, you made it. <laughs> Amen. I mean, the Bible says, you know, he said to the faithful servant, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll make you Lord over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He said, faithful, well done, good and faithful. If you want to hear that, you've got to get it done and you've got to get it done well. Otherwise, the idea of getting that condemnation, that commendation is a figment of your imagination. Because we have, see, in the New Testament, having a go is called sin. That's actually what it is. There are three words that are translated iniquity and sin in the New Testament. One of them means having a go. The other one means missed the mark. The other one means dropped out. 
So if you have a go, you are not called to have a go. You're called to finish the task. Jesus said, I have finished what you gave me to do. It says of Joshua that, he, that at the end of his life, there wasn't one thing that the Lord had commanded him through Moses that he didn't do. He finished everything God had him to do. How many finishes are there in the house tonight? It's not the way you start. It's the way you finish that matters. I'm doing my best, bro. But I, I just am convinced there's an amazing opportunity in front of you in these next years. And, you know, uh, it's just time to grab hold of it with both hands and, and really kind of go, well, God, I'm in, you know, whatever it means. I'm often impressed by Joshua saying to the people before, while they've camped beside the Jordan River, flooded river, got all the stuff, their kids and the tabernacle and the animals, and they know they're going across and he actually asks them to make a commitment to go across before they know how they're going across. He says, sanctify yourself because tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And what it actually means is I want you to commit to go where you don't know how you're going to go. I want you to set yourself apart for the purposes of God, even though you've got no idea what it's going to mean. You know. And actually, uh, commentators uh, tell us that at that time the Jordan River would flood in harvest and that's what it was. And it could be over, uh, over a mile wide in the flood. So they camped beside it for three days, looking at this flooded water, wondering how on earth they're going to go across with all their belongings, knowing that that's what God's called them to do, but not having any clue how it's going to happen. And in the midst of that, after three days of being camped beside it, looking at it, you can imagine the discussion going on in the camp, can't you? Some people are going, you ripper, let's go. Others are going, look at that, you're an idiot, you know. But anyway, in the middle of it, Joshua on the third day says, dedicate yourself to go across, even though you don't know how. Commit yourself. God will do wonders, but he requires you to commit yourself to be part of the process, even when you haven't got a clue how it's going to work. And I believe that what God wants tonight. That's what he's looking for. People that make up there, I'm going to be a builder. I'm going to just shoulder the thing and do whatever I'm going to do, you know. In Nehemiah's day, a whole lot of people had to be involved in carting away the rubbish. How many of you know they were important? <laughs> it was just carting out the rubbish, but you can't build it. The building site's covered in rubbish. Father, I pray for your people. I pray for this place I pray tonight that you would grace each one of us to be to play the part that you require us to play, the, the part that you've created us to play. Father, I pray for your anointing on the leadership of the houses, Father, of Thrive and of Gateway. I pray for wisdom, Father, for every decision they need to make. I pray for grace for every decision they need to make. I pray for every individual and every family represented in these congregations that, Father, in this hour, your hand would come upon them. There would come that supernatural undergirding of the, uh, of the, undergirding of the Holy Spirit to lift them up, to empower them, to energize them, to focus their vision and 
and, and keep it focused. And, and Father, just to fulfill the particular role and the part that you have them to play, that God, we would, there would be the renown of the people of God in this place because they are builders. They're not bludgers. They're not along for the ride. They're along to do something significant and powerful in your purposes. And I pray that, Father, there would be an incredible testimony to your glory that would uh, be built increasingly in the days ahead. And Father, I just bless your people tonight in the name of Jesus. Let your hand be upon them. Let the smile of God be upon them. Let your peace fill their hearts and your grace overshadow them. Surround them by your love and your peace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.